One, two, three, yes, wrestling. Welcome, all you Yesenites, to the only episode 87 of 123 Yes Wrestling There Will Ever Be. Welcome to 2021. I'm Chris, here with Corey and Ed. How are we doing, guys? Uh, let's start with Ed, because you know what? Ed is back. The three-man band is together again. Back. So you know what? I'm gonna just I'm gonna leave the floor to Ed here. Ed man, how are you doing? Man, thank you for that warm welcome, Corey. It is good to be back. Honestly, um the thing is, as I said a couple episodes ago, I work for Amazon and I just got through Amazon Peak, which is basically um the craziest thing I've ever done as a work experience, but it was a ton of fun. Um you get through it together with your team. And you basically make sure that all those packages get delivered. In a sense, I felt like I was working for Santa's workshop all month of December. And I was like an elf kind of doing my part. Um, but, you know, I do uh, I did follow the podcast. I saw that, you know, Corey and Chris were doing their thing. And the other good thing, being out of Amazon Peak, I got to watch some wrestling. So I said, let's sit down. Let's talk some, some wrestling. It's a new year. The world's on fire. What does the world need more than anything right now but some professional professional wrestling positive dialogue? And that's what I'm bringing today. Well, don't you worry, sir, because, I mean, not much has really happened since you've been gone. I mean, you know, of course, Chris and I record a couple episodes and, you know, I, uh, I think I got like uh, 15 action figures eventually coming into the mail at some point. Um, I'll have to tell you that story later, but and you didn't tell anybody about. I don't think you mentioned it on the show because you sent me pictures about how you bought a Vince Russo autographed action figure. <laughs> yes, I I picked up a Vince Russo. That's how which you know bought... Corey has a problem. This, this, I mean, you can you can he can buy twenty <laughs> figures at one time, but he bought an autographed Vince Russo, a writer, a wrestling writer who hasn't written wrestling in probably twenty years. Corey bought that action figure and he's got it autographed. You know, the thing is, though, like, that is a pretty cool uh, pickup, in my opinion, only because um, if you're going to collect wrestling stuff, you got to find the stuff that not many people are going to have. Yeah. And I think that's an example of something that not many people are going to have in their wrestling co- collection when we look, you know, like, hopefully 30 years from now, if we're all willing to be here. But, you know, it's like, I would look at that and be like, oh, my God, you have a Vince Russo action figure. What kind of freak are you? Right, that's, how you, right, and yeah. that's how you should end every fight. Like someone's arguing about something. Yeah, but do you have a Vince Russo signed action figure? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So and just to clarify, Ed, so that you're not thinking I'm crazy with the whole uh, the, the number of wrestling figures. I, I picked up series two and series three of the AEW figures. Okay. So basically I bought whole sets. So that's the reason why. And each set has six. So that's why I'm. I got 12 of those coming in. And then I think I picked up a couple extra for Jake for a birthday coming up. So, no, it Very was nice. all good. But we're glad to be back. 2021 is here. It only took two business days into 2021 for everything to go to hell and the world that can 2020 to keep on rolling. So, we are here once again wrestling. One, two, three, yes, wrestling. This is a huge week. There was Wrestle Kingdom, New Year's Evil. 
AEW New Year's Smash, Raw Legends. Every show this week had a theme, and we're going to talk about all of it because we watched all of it because we have a serious, serious problem. And I think our New Year's resolution should have been to not watch as much wrestling. But before we jump into any and all of that, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us on all podcasts and social media services. Shoot us an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns to 123yeswrestling at gmail.com. And make sure on those platforms you stop and rate and review us. We'll read your review on the air. How many stars are we looking for, guys? Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars three times. Hit us up. It helps the show out, which ultimately will help you because you'll feel good about it in 2021. Make it your New Year's resolution. First up, Ed was Ed was just about to say something. Well, just you just made me think of New Year's. What was it? Revolution, the pay per view from WWE. Yeah. yeah. So I just got flashbacks of that show. But continue. I, I have one memory of that. Every time they did a New Year's resolution, which I, I think they did a few of them, and the only thing I remember was that was when Edge cashed in the first ever Money in the Bank to win his first WWE championship after John Cena just went through an elimination chamber match. It and that's was. my only memory. I can't tell you another match, another thing, another memory from that pay-per-view like series, but I do remember that. I give you credit because I don't have a single memory of that. <laughs> I know that there was a pay-per-view called that, but like for me to trigger any matches, I have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, but That's what 30-plus years of wrestling will do to you. You just don't it, remember stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. They do all start to uh, blend together there. Uh, first up, we do actually have to start on a little bit of a downer note, but uh, the Saturday before the New Year, so it was right after Christmas, uh, came out that Brody Lee, AEW's Brody Lee, WWE's former Luke Harper, and John Huber in real life passed away. And it kind of came out of left field. He's been off TV. Last time we saw him was on October in a strap match on Dynamite against Cody Rhodes, where he uh, lost the TNT title, I believe. And then he's kind of been gone and little questions here or there where he's been. But apparently he somewhere in there he took ill, was flown to the Mayo Clinic out in Florida. And that was kind of it. There's no real cause of death. It was just a non-COVID related lung issue. And as far as I'm aware, they don't know. The couple reports I read said and heard that they didn't even know that even the doctors at the Mayo Clinic couldn't figure anything out as to why he was having issues with his lungs. So ho- hopefully the family at some point will get closure for that. But we are here to talk about Brody Lee, John Huber, Luke Harper. Just in general, he was a, uh, a hell of a talent that went to many, would say, underused in WWE outside of the Wyatt Club gimmick. But he had a hell of a year in 2014. So if you're looking for Luke Harper matches... Go back and watch 2014 because he had an awesome ladder match with TLC match with Dolph Ziggler for the IC title. He won the IC championship. They started that year with the Shield versus the Wyatt Club, which for many is the greatest six-man match ever. So he has a hell of a body of work that he was put together, but he did pass away right at the end of the year at the age of 41, which was was a rough rough week getting through that. How do you guys? Yeah. Uh, and just for the record, uh, I will correct Chris. It's not the Wyatt Club, but it's the Wyatt family. Did I, I say Wyatt Club? Yes, you did. You did. So, but I, um, I kind of like, like had this Bullet Club Wyatt family mashup going in my head, and I was all about it. So that's cool. 
that while you spaced out for a second, you were just yeah, I was actually thinking about a white club? that combination. Yeah. So, but going back to you know talking about you know uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper. Um, I I think I you guys uh, I I think I sent a message to you guys right away. I mean, it actually. Wrestling deaths do affect me, especially if I grew up uh, following these talents. You know, obviously, you know, you become very connected. Um, this one, and it seems like as I'm getting older now, um, this one definitely affected me because, you know, he was 41. I'm 38, so the age difference is not that much. And then to top it off, and I think this is why my emotional strings have really been tugged, is, you know, he's a father, you know, and he's got two two young children, and... You know, I'm a father of a five-year-old, and it's – when you become a dad, it, it life is um, – the perception of life is a little bit different. You you tend to view things in uh, a little bit differently. You might even act, you know, certainly differently in, in some circumstances. And so, you know, and hearing all the stories about how much of a family man he is – really just uh, oh man it's you, you feel for the family right now because clearly he had a great relationship with his family and was a family first person so um and then the other thing and i'll let you guys you know chime in um obviously i've been watching wrestling for 30 plus years um it's very rare for people in the wrestling business especially if they leave wwe or they leave whatever wrestling company wrestlers sometimes get very negative about the company that they, that they just worked for. Or you might hear talent say, well, that guy was, you know, a terrible person to work with. He had an ego. He was this and that. It's very rare that you come across a talent that the colleagues, the, fellow wrestlers workers employees not one person had a negative thing to say about regardless of what company and that just goes to show that he he really was a uh this hidden diamond that i and i and i agree with chris i i really think um didn't truly reach the the, the potential he probably deserved to reach, but man, yeah, just what a sad loss. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I was really kind of more shook than I thought I would be from this one. There have been wrestling deaths, many, unfortunately, I think, you know, because of the nature of the business. Um, I really enjoyed the Wyatt family, as is well documented on this podcast, if you go back and listen. Uh, me and Corey are both very big fans of this group. And so naturally, um, I was a, a big Luke Harper supporter. Um, I always really wanted him to be one of the breakout stars from the Wyatt family. Of course, Bray was doing his thing, but I, you know, I really thought Luke had that potential. And, um, you know, you saw flashes of it. The IC title run was fantastic. I liked that he had that belt kind of out of, the, out of nowhere. They, they put that strap on him. And he had some amazing matches. They you can definitely revisit with Dean Ambrose, um, that just like, just knocked my socks off, man. Like such good stuff. Um, and it just seemed like you know, unfortunately, as things go, um, they really couldn't find what to do with him. And you know, obviously, that took him to AEW, where he I think had a nice run. 
I think uh, we didn't see his full potential in AEW. But I, what I do love is that, um, you know, this is a tragic passing. And AEW as an organization really impressed me with what they did to celebrate him uh, with his family, with his wife. And then, you know, kudos to his wife. She went on record really quickly and said, like, hey, like, we don't hate the WWE. We don't hate that, you know, he had to leave. This was a career choice. Like, they were good to us. And, you know, I, I thought that was really cool that she did that. And um, I'm going to celebrate him, man. Like, I love that he his T-shirt got the record on pro wrestling tees, like, in four hours. That was incredible to see. And, you know, um, that's what's so great about being a wrestler in the modern era. Like, we'll always be able to just go back and watch his stuff. And I definitely, uh, once he passed, I went back and started watching some of the, you know, when he did his singles run as Luke Harper. And he had some good matches, man. As listeners, I would definitely, if you haven't already... Go back on the network and watch some of the Luke Harper solo matches with Dean Ambrose, especially amazing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It, you, AEW did a great job of celebrating last week's Dynamite was the uh, memorial show where they talked about him, did little talking uh, head videos of people talking about their relationships with uh, John Huber, uh, his oldest son, who's I think eight or nine. He pretty much sat down with Tony Khan and they booked the whole show. So the whole show was just matches that his kid wanted to see and be a part of. So it was a, a great show to get a lot of information. There's a lot of other podcasts and articles from people who knew him to, you know, get there's tons of information and memories out there to make sure you guys can really hit if you want more information as we're just fans. So we only know so much and, you know, but just hearing all the stories have been heartwarming just from that, but even just seeing WWE's response, because not many people get a duel. I mean, WWE put up the banner in memory of a lot of people. There were a lot of memorials to him on TV. Even this next week on SmackDown, Big E was doing a lot of them. So there were a lot of people that was shook up. They had the wristbands on raw Xavier Woods, the new day, a lot of people that, you know, he impacted put sent out a lot of kind words. So it was like I said, it was nice to see that. But we are going to move on. We're going to close out 2020 right. The only way you can close out 2020, the Slammy Awards. Oh, I am so excited. Last I time. love the Slammies. I love them. Ever since Owen Hart sold me on the Slammies, like, I just can't wait. He sold all of us. We were all two Slammies, and that's the best thing ever. I'm Surprised Corey didn't buy two statues just so he can run around and scream that all the time. God, don't don't tempt me now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Slammy Awards were, were uh, right there at the end of the year. It was the Wednesday of, I think, before Christmas. It was the day after Corey and I recorded. So we read through all the nominations and did our picks. Chris picked Bailey for everything. I'm going to read through the winners of these things just so we can close out 2020 in style. You guys ready? Ready. Let's do it. And I'm, I'm just on WWE.com, and I'm just going to read through them. I'm going to start with the most important. Referee of the year was Charles Robinson. The hmm. double cross of the year, Bailey betraying Sasha Banks. The celebrity appearance of the year, Rob Gronkowski. The WWE... <laughs> scrunching up your face on that one, Ed. I just think that should have been... Um... Our buddy on NXT that's just crushing it. Oh, yeah, Pat McAfee. I think it yeah. would have been. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I it, think that's it, I think that's They would have included NXT. It would have been a yeah. no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE Network Documentary of the Year was The Undertaker Last Ride. 
trash talker of the year was Lacey Evans and the Hurt Business. I don't know where Lacey Evans came in, but yeah. cool. Okay. Social media superstar of the year. So I don't know if they just if that if this is because they did good on social media or if they were voted on by social media. What is so I don't know what is good on social media. Well, who's the person? Go ahead and say the name. Bailey. Uh, did she get the most likes? Is that being good at social media? No, I bet arts? she's. I bet she's the best. The at, no, it's probably a. Uh, you know Snaps. how rest. You know how some talent they stay in character on social media. I bet she yeah. stays in character. I don't follow her, so I wouldn't know. But well, that should be the kayfabe award. That, yeah. well, they would never say that word as a slammy, but that would be an awesome slammy. Yeah, yeah. Category. And, come on, shame on you. You know, Vince. There's certain words he doesn't accept, and he doesn't like <laughs> sneezing. Apparently. <laughs> Can can you guess who the musical performance of the year winner was? Uh, I think that one went to Elias because there was nobody else. Yeah, that's, that's who it went to. Who else would win an that's award great, for though. musical like, performance of the year? Way to actually give it to your musical gimmick, okay? Like I I think that's that's the best choice of all the Slammys. Most creative twenty four seven pin was the roll up. No, I'm just kidding. Drew Gulak in a janitor outfit. Are we like past a year with the 24/7 title at this point? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably if anything. Wow. I think they were pushing two. They don't even yeah. try anymore. Yeah. They at least tried back in the day. Like it's just it's just a thing. It just is always there. Now, now uh, they just use it to. They just run out, run around the ring to interfere with a match, and then disappear. They don't even do anything with it anymore, except for run in circles. It's kind of like if. I really think they should just add the Benny Hill music now because everything is like post-production anyway. So they should just make it a joke like that and just play the Benny Hill song. Just it's almost like, you know, kind of like a mouthwash to whatever match you're watching. So now do you guys know who won any of these? Do you no. want me to read? Cause now we're getting into the I real mean, ones. These were the online ones. So do you want me to just read the winners? Do you want me to just read the winners or do you want to know the nominees? Just read the winners. Okay. Winners. Yeah. Moment of the year was The Undertaker's Final Farewell at Survivor Series, which I'll stink on that one. Uh, male Superstar of the Year was Drew McIntyre. You guys object to that I'm, one? I'm okay with that. Female Superstar of the Year was Sasha Banks. I'm I, okay I, I'm fine with it, but I think Bailey or Asuka should have got it. They were they, it, they They owned this pandemic year more than Sasha Banks did, but Breakout star of the year was the Street Profits. Ring gear of the year was the New Day. Return of the year was Edge. Tag team of the year was the Street Profits, which would make sense if you're breakout star of the year, then you should be tag team of the year. Mm -hmm. Rivalry of the year was Edge versus Randy Orton, which face palm. That wasn't that one wasn't for me. That one wasn't for me. It was the greatest match of all time. Well, then how come it didn't win match of the year? <laughs> <laughs> match of the year was Undertaker versus AJ Styles in the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. You can't really argue with that too much. No, Superstar actually... of the year overall was Drew McIntyre. Okay. That's it. That's your slammy. I actually have no problem with any of those. I think there's an argument for every single one of those winners. Yeah. Absolutely. Even, I even the, the rivalry. I mean, to be fair, like, I don't really remember much other real rivalries that they put 
into, even if it was kind of annoying because, you know, we just got tired of it. But Orton and Edge, really, they they really did push the heck out of it all year, you know, so. They did. My my only thing is I thought Sasha and Bailey, I mean, they finally pulled the trigger on that feud and they went so long and their story was so, I mean, it was all year because they were together together and you were just waiting for them to split, waiting for them to split. Then when they finally did, you're like, oh shit, they split. And then you got the feud um, with them fighting where, and I enjoyed those matches where I didn't enjoy either one of the Edge or Orton matches. So, but overall, that was your Slammy Awards 2020. I picked Bailey for everything, so I did not come out on top of the predictions. So, I'm going to talk real quick, and I'm just going to go give an overall, because there's too much, there would be too much, and it would be its own podcast, and I don't think anyone wants to listen to it. But I watched this week was Wrestle Kingdom 15, which for those who don't know is New Japan Wrestling's wrestlemania basically they've last couple years they've been doing it as a two-day split so it starts at like two in the morning which i was watching it on demand on new japan world but i got through both days of new japan and overall it was a they were okay shows like nothing they were fine as what they were like i said i'm not the biggest new japan fan especially the earlier matches i know the big names when you get into the smaller i'm like i don't really know i don't really know but Splitting it up in two days is a lot of wrestling. Um, the bigs, I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of go about it because I don't really want to go through everything. But they had some good matches. But to me, they kind of, it was one of the big takeaways that I noticed was they had the Tokyo Dome. They had a lot of people in that Tokyo Dome. They had probably easily a couple thousand. Like when they went out, they don't go out into the crowd too often. So you don't really see crowd shots. But every once in a while, they would show just like the ramp and stuff. And you saw there were people. I mean, they had like a seat between them, but there were people there. But they told all of their people, no cheering. You can't cheer. Everyone had to wear a mask and there was no cheering, but you can clap or stomp your feet. But there were no be no like cheering. And I always wondered how that worked. And one of the things that was really amazing was for both shows that I watched, I watched like eight hours of Wrestle Kingdom. You didn't hear one. Woo. Oh, no reaction like to to kickouts like nothing it was just they would just clap you know the the thing is though with those crowds um in japan they are very disciplined in fact actually in a normal setting uh one of the common behaviors of a japanese audience watching a wrestling match is the clapping like Mm -hmm. they don't get overly obnoxious or you know they don't do chants or anything like that so i mean i guess i'm not too surprised they were successfully able to follow the expectations yeah it was just crazy because i just got done watching like the aew Brody lee tribute show and they couldn't keep the fans quiet for a t- 10 bell salute so i was like uh <laughs> if you if you said if they said hey we're gonna do wrestlemania it's gonna be at the stadium everyone's got to wear masks but nobody can talk you can't cheer no cheering no yelling how long would that last yeah that wouldn't, right I mean, you wouldn't even get people in the audience to listen to it that rule come on now now overall the show was good i don't regret watching it and I started I started keeping track of this year. I want to try to do this matches of the year. Like and I want to when I watch a match that's just like a match, I want to I'm going to write it down. I'm going to keep track this year of just great wrestling matches so I can look back at the year as a whole and try to actually pick what's the best. This WrestleMania or sorry, Wrestle Kingdom day 1 did have the first entry into that list which was uh Okada versus Will Ospreay. And that match 
was awesome. They did stuff in that match. Like Will Ospreay, if you've never watched him, he's he added about like 20 pounds of muscle compared, and he's still doing the high flying stuff. So he looks the part and he still moves like the cruiserweight that he was. So he looked good. And him and Okada went for about 35 minutes and they were just doing stuff. I just remember one spot at one point where they were running the ropes and they're running the ropes back and forth and, you know, doing the, the leapfrog over and the laying down and they're doing stuff. And at one point, Okada went for like a drop kick. And when he jumped up for a drop kick, Osprey did this dive where he caught him in midair and powerbombed him. And he turned like a drop kick reversal into a sit down powerbomb. And I was like, what just happened? Wow. <laughs> and that was that was an awesome match. And that one was really a uh, match of the night for me. Um, they did have their big story that they always do. They've done the last couple of years since they've been doing this day one and day two is they kind of have your main event, which then impacts the main event of day two. So their main event was uh, Kota Ibushi challenging uh, Naito for both because they still have their titles unified from last year. So he was challenging for both the heavyweight and the intercontinental championship. And their big story was Kota Ibushi hasn't ever really won their main title. He's challenged for it. He's been in the running. He, last year, he was part of the main event scene for this, and he ended up going 0 for 2. He couldn't pull the trigger. So this was going to be, is this going to be Ibushi's year? And some of you may remember Kota Ibushi was in the Cruiserweight Classic over in uh, NXT almost five years ago already. Um, that was where I first saw him. And, I mean, I've always been a big fan of him. And he does this crazy thing where he likes to land on his head. And he lands on his head a lot. And they always are like, his neck, his neck. And he takes the nastiest bumps where he'll just do, like, they'll do a German suplex and he just lands on the back of his head. And it's just like, I don't know how he doesn't die. And it's nasty. And he does that a lot. But he did end up winning. And uh, he became the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion at night one, which meant he was going to face Jay White in night two. And uh, so night one to me was more entertaining. Night two, it had their junior heavyweight type championship match was super good. I did not like, I know a lot of people were going crazy over the Ibushi Jay White match. I did not like it. It was 38 minutes. It became the longest uh, ch championship match in the Tokyo Dome. It was too much for me, and the way that they were telling the story, it was it was all Ibushi just getting beat up by Jay White, and Jay White trying to, it just, it was boring to me. So they had a couple <laughs> good spots, a couple power moves, a couple big things, but it was they were, they were just telling that story of Jay White's the super heel, Ibushi's the super face, can he overcome this beatdown? So most of it was just Ibushi getting his ass kicked the whole time, and it kind of, for 40 minutes, that's a lot of just getting your ass kicked. You know, where where as a viewer am I supposed to be that? But New Japan, they do a different style of wrestling. So overall, I mean, it was it was a good two days. But then as we moved into Raw Legends and we moved into New Year's Evil and New Year's Super Slam Bash or whatever the AEW one was called, I can't keep them all straight. To me, it just Wrestle Kingdom kind of got overshadowed after just what... WWE, NXT, and AEW were able to pull off this week. So, just a quick thing on Wrestle Kingdom 15, because I watched it, so I wanted to at least talk about it. So, I hope you guys didn't glaze over too hard. <laughs> no, I actually no, paid I'm... attention to what you were saying, and the only highlights I really remember seeing were the Kota Ibushi win, um, which is awesome, because I liked him. I mean, like, granted, I uh, haven't really followed New Japan, but when he was, you know, briefly doing his thing, 
over in the U.S. a couple of years back with him mm-hmm. and Kenny Omega and stuff. I always thought it was cool. So, and yeah. And I I heard that um, John Moxley did a uh, promo. I know he wasn't there. He obviously was at a ring here in the United States, but because um, he's still the uh, United States champion. United States champ. So in Help me out, because I didn't see the whole promo. Is he calling somebody out? or He he basically was just letting them know that I'm still there. And they were having a Kenta, who used to be Adeo Itami in NXT. Mm-hmm. He currently has the briefcase that basically awards him a title shot. So he's been calling okay. out John Moxley for like months now. And he's already, I think he had a match on the first night where he actually, he's been defending the, the briefcase like it's the championship. So on the first day one of Wrestle Kingdom, he actually defended it like it was a belt. So he's been calling out John Moxley. So basically, John Moxley had a promo where he basically said, "I'm still here. The first chance I get to be there, I'm going to take on whoever has that briefcase. And if it's you, Kenta, they're basically just building up John Moxley versus Kenta, which I will watch the hell out of that match. So um, they did that. Night two, a couple matches that were worth watching if you have an opportunity. Jeff Cobb, which I know was over on Dynamite not too long ago. He challenged uh, Shingo Takaji for the Never Open Weight Championship. And that was another one kind of like AEW just had with Wardlow and Hager. That was just two big boys doing big moves. And they were throwing each other around. And that was a fun match. That was the first one that kind of caught me on day two. And then they did, um, and they were, like I said, they were all good matches. But uh, Ishimori versus Takahashi for the Junior Heavyweight Championship was good. I like their Junior Heavyweight Championship brand because it's kind of like it makes the cruiserweight type thing. It's a good like jumping platform, but it makes kind of like a cruiserweight in that style feel more important. You know, you call it a Junior Heavyweight, and there's a little bit more. And a lot of times those guys end up moving up. And they did a really good job. And that was the the co-main event. So then when I got to the main event after watching that one, and then had like I said. Kota Ibushi and Jay White going for, like I said, was it, did I say 38 minutes or something? Then it was, it was a lot. So to me, it wasn't, it was too long of a match for me, but I know there's lots of people who are calling it a masterpiece and love the hell out of it. And that's great for them. Um, so that was Wrestle Kingdom was a good, t- good time for all. And I enjoyed it. And I'll try to enjoy as much New Japan as I can for the month and see if I'll keep it subscribed to it longer in January like I normally do. I will say they really know how to design a good-looking title belt with New Japan. Their belts look incredible. And their junior heavy, I think it's their junior heavyweight or their never, wait, they got a Stanley Cup thing where they actually keep everyone who's ever held it, their name is on it. So they have little plates on the side and they put everyone. So they're like, oh, there's Owen Hart's name. And just like anybody who's held those belts their name is on the side, like kind of like Stanley Cup, which I think is I a like really that. cool idea um, yeah, just like to really that. honor that. Um, makes makes it feel really important that you're kind of almost immortalized on this belt. You know, the WWE with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal could easily do something like that. You know, less of the Andre statue and more of the names who have won it. And then all of a sudden you've got a legacy after a few years, you know? Hey, well, yeah. you, you also have to have it every year, too, so... I mean. True. That is also very true. <laughs> well, well, to their defense, there was, you know, we were at the beginning stages of a pandemic where we couldn't have more than 10 people in the same room right. at this year's WrestleMania. So doing a giant battle royal seemed like it would have been foolish. But Speaking of WWE, let's now get to Legends Night, Chris. Raw Legends Night. 
two weeks before Raw hit the lowest rating ever at 1.4 million people getting down into dynamite territory here. And WWE, they went to the drawing board and they said, we got to change how we write this show and we got to change how we book our talent and we got to change the stars and change, go for a younger appeal and we got to do all this stuff. And instead of doing any of those things that they should have, because that was all a lie, they said, let's bring out Hulk Hogan and let's get that ratings pop because that's all we need to do. Now, in their defense, they did get the pop. They got 2.1 million viewers for this showing and a 0.68 rating demo in the 18 to 49. So they got what they wanted. But overall, just as an overall, did you see anything in this show that would have made you as a lapsed viewer or someone you're coming back for the first Raw after Monday Night Football? There's no football. Ed hasn't watched Raw in a couple months. Did you see anything that's going to make you go, I need to keep watching this? So uh, there were a couple things. Um, there were a couple things I liked, and I, I really want to try to stay as positive as possible on the show. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the things that I did like. Um, the things that I did like, I do like um, the renewed like friendship slash rivalry with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. I hope that goes somewhere throughout the year because it seems like Sheamus is kind of back to his Celtic warrior thing and maybe bled into this Scottish warrior thing that Drew's doing. Um, I dig that. I like the new entrance with putting the sword in the ground and, you know, Drew's definitely doing his thing, which I like that. I liked the Keith Lee Drew McIntyre match itself. I thought that was really good. And, you know, I got to give Corey some credit here. Um, they they have done well with Keith Lee, I think, for the most part. They really have tried to book him strong. And, you know, he, yeah, is he, is he not, he's not ready for a title run yet. Or, you know, part of me thought maybe they were going to hot shot the belt onto him uh, because of everything going on with the ratings and whatnot. But um, alone, that was a good match. Um Unfortunately, oh, and finally, Miz and Morrison. I love their what they got going on together. Like it, it just reminds me why I loved them so much way back in like two thousand eight, nine when they were together. Like they do have incredible chemistry as a team, and you know, having the the Money in the Bank strap back on Miz kind of makes me think that they want to put the title back on him eventually. I don't think there would have been any reason for them to put it back on him if they didn't say wait a minute wait a minute maybe we should give this guy another run sometime you know so mm -hmm. those were probably my favorite things from raw as a whole the rest of it ugh, there was a lot of work to do so i'm gonna just add to what ed has already talked about because i don't want to repeat um i'm also going to add randy orton into this conversation and it's because it is Legends Night. Obviously, Randy Orton played it off on social media very well. Oh, Legends Night, huh? You know, and he's the legend killer. And and the reason why I'm 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 pointing out Randy Orton as as spotlight on this show is the backstage segments. I know that all he was doing was just antagonizing and kind of just being a bully to the legends and trying to, you know, get them all revved up. But the way it was done, the execution of it, you know, whether it was Mark Henry, whether it was Big Show, Ric Flair, I felt the performance part of it was just spot on. And these are the things that I hope the casual fan 
And I really hope the diehard fans, the smart marks, whatever you want to call them, I hope they're noticing it because Randy Orton for a little while, people were just kind of, you know, you know, some people like him, some people don't. I, I just, I, I think people need to understand this man when it comes to just top to bottom, all the pieces that you need to be a wrestler, this guy has it. And he doesn't waste a second of camera time. All his body language, his facials, all done with purpose and intent, and he delivers. Absolutely. And as you said, it was Legends Night. And I guess I'll bring this up. I was thinking about doing this kind of at the end, but I think I'll jump into it here real quick. Brian Alvarez, who's over on, what, Figure Four Wrestling at 4W. He's over on Twitch. He he does a lot with uh, Dave Meltzer. And uh, I've watched some YouTube videos. And now one of the things he complained about was Raw used Legends Night. And they used all of their segments to bury the legends. So they were like, oh, Charlotte Flair buried her dad after he messed up and she got rolled up and lost her match. So she said, you're worthless. And he left in tears. And then you had Orton, who was picking on Big Show and made Mark Henry, who was in a cast on a little cart, wheel away all sad. And he made Ric Flair cry again, who was already, he cried twice on this episode because people were talking bad about him. So you had all of these kind of segments where they were burying the, the legends. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't normally the complaint with the legends is that they aren't there to get the younger talent over or get the current roster over? So isn't this what they were doing with them? So I find it like hard when you're always complaining about how, oh, the legends just come and they won't put over the current roster. Now, they were doing that on this show. So, I mean, I, why complain? I, I mean, can you not make this, these people happy then? I, I'm, I'm going to just disagree to that completely. And just because the bottom line is, is that the Randy Orton stuff, it made sense. I, the, he's been termed as the legend killer. So it's like, of course, you're going to do segments where you're going to have Randy Orton. And, and here's the thing. Randy Orton is in his prime still. These legends, you know, take nothing away from Big Show. I mean, he's in great shape, but, you know, he's considered retired. So they're trying to go with that retirement angle. And, you know, Mark Henry just had surgery recently. And, you know, Flair is is older. And so I I don't – I wouldn't even say the legends were buried. What were they buried over? It's this is because they were made to look a fool. They had Orton talking trash to him, Charlotte talking trash to him. Uh, apparently, and we'll get into it here at the end. And I don't want to dive too heavy into it, but Drew McIntyre was supposed to bash him at the end of the show. So they had all kinds of this thing. But I mean, isn't that what everyone's always wanted these legends and part time talent to do? So why are you why complain I don't about, know it? about that? I think what we want is them to be used effectively to make an impact on whatever we're watching. And that's what I'm seeing on dynamite. And, um, you know, we'll get into that more, but like, there's a, there's a way to use legends effectively. Um, WWE just likes to parade them out for a ratings pop. And it's very clear when they do it. And I think that's the part that's a little frustrating is it's like, yeah, does it work? Yeah. I was like, okay, it's the start of a new year. There's going to be legends on the show. Let's see what happens. And that's exactly what they want to do. But this was, um, for me, as far as the legends go, that was still very formulaic. I guess I didn't look at it like in, in that perspective, like, you know, that they all were kind of, you know, the ones looking weak, so to speak. But 
I don't know. It just seems like they were there just to try to get eyeballs on the product again. I just don't know if they um, did a good enough job of like wanting like for me, like I'm going to try to, you know, watch it again next week. But like if you're trying, if I had to choose between other wrestling programs on like throughout the week, like, you know, because let's face it, there's so much on nowadays and I have to pick like this week. I probably would pick NXT and AEW to watch if I had to choose still because, I mean, besides the Keith Lee-Drew McIntyre match, that was, like, probably the biggest reason I wanted to watch Raw. Other than that, I was like, I'm I'm good. So now they ended, like I said, they had Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre killed it. They had an awesome main event. The legends were up on the ramp. They were going, and they were beating the hell out of each other, and they just, Keith Lee, to me, looked great. Um, they did some, even when he botched his leapfrog he's they still played it off and it looked great so i mean that move i think that whole match was just a great match it made my list as being one of my favorite this year so far granted we're only a week in so we'll see what it means here in a month or two let alone 12 but i thought that was a great main event now at the end i did notice that all of a sudden keith lee got knocked down drew mcintyre got in the corner and he was like up, 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 get up, Keith, get up, Keith, get up, Keith. So I kind of checked and saw, oh, they only have about two minutes left on this show, so they're running out of time. So then Keith Lee got up real quick. McIntyre hit him with the Claymore. McIntyre retained his championship. The legends were all up on the ramp clapping. Drew McIntyre grabbed this microphone, started, he was like, hey, 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 trying to cut a promo, apparently. And then all of a sudden music hit, and Goldberg came out, and the legends parted, and Goldberg walks out. And he takes the microphone from McIntyre, and he stands there and looks at him. And Goldberg cuts a promo that makes absolutely no sense, because supposedly McIntyre was supposed to cut a promo, but they ran out of time. So instead of winging it or coming up with something on the fly because it's scripted, Goldberg cuts this promo where he's basically saying, Drew, I heard what you said about all of these legends up there at the top, and you don't respect them when, I, I mean, all I saw on brawl with drew mcintyre was him respecting the hell out of the legends posing with hulk hogan cracking jokes with jimmy hart he seemed like he was having a blast with the legends there so even him cutting a promo bashing them to me doesn't make any sense but goldberg cut this promo that didn't make any sense and then he ended up um pushing mcintyre and mcintyre fell down and raw pretty much just went off the air now supposedly mcintyre got up and claymored him and they're trying to continue this story because supposedly he was supposed to take a claymore but Goldberg challenged Drew McIntyre at the Rumble for the WWE Championship. Now, we talked about Goldberg supposedly getting his WrestleMania match against Roman Reigns, which and maybe even him joining, entering the Rumble to get that match. But now it looks like he's going to go to the Rumble and he's going to take on Drew McIntyre one-on-one match. Does, what does this do for any of you guys? All right. Well, let's. I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, the whole... Uh, the, the promo like McIntyre missing his promo or something I'm just gonna brush that off you know it's like live tv things happen you know whatever Goldberg is following the script you know he's he's not you know if he was a you know a younger talent they might be able to adjust some people are more comfortable at making adjustments on live tv obviously he was probably better off just sticking to the script and Goldberg was never a strong promo anyway right and i didn't necessarily find anything weird of him referencing the disrespect thing because he followed it up with saying you know i can tell you look at these guys as washed up so i I felt like he kind of saved it when he referenced the reason why you're you're disrespecting them is because you're looking at them as has-beens and wash up and old so it worked for me um now, 
I knew the moment I saw this, I knew that the internet world was going to be very bipolar with this and probably more one-sided in terms of their feelings. And I, I took a moment to, I took like a day, like a day to just like process it, like look at it from a logical standpoint. And I know you two might challenge me on this, but feel free to. Goldberg is an example of things WWE needs to do to get other types of fans. I'm just going to say it. AEW, one of their highest rated segments that they've done so far, involves Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal. In a segment that honestly, in my for my taste, was meaningless. But it garnered the highest rating. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say is, is that when you bring in a Hogan, when you bring in a Goldberg, you're bringing a brand. You're bringing people that don't watch wrestling to go and tune in just because they are fans of that brand. So, and Goldberg is, is Goldberg draws, guys. I, you know, put your feelings aside. Goldberg draws. And I know, you know, a lot of people are looking at the age element and like, why is he getting a title shot? Of course, asking for a title shot is kind of weird. You know, usually you got to earn it somehow. But bottom line is, this is from a business standpoint, they are trying to grab people that are not us. So I'm okay with it as long as they do the match the way that they need to for any kind of Goldberg match. Just keep it simple. But I mean, like, if they're not trying to grab us, who are they trying to grab? It's with, it's a, with, a, Gold, with a Goldberg selection because the youth aren't going to know who he is. Well, see, this is tricky because I'm going to say the the youth do know who he is because when he when he first came back a couple years ago, you know, yeah. there's young kids watching it, so yeah. you know, and. And, and I and I think those those younger fans still remember it, and they probably thought think he looks cool, and maybe they've looked up some WWE Network stuff and seen, you know, the the build up to to him, and maybe they saw the network special they just did recently on him and the streak, um, but um, but then also Goldberg's been involved in other stuff. I, I know he used to have a show. Um, um, I don't know if it was a car show or some kind of garage. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that. So, I mean, he's got fans from that aspect. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't follow him, so I don't know if there's any other projects that he's currently doing. You don't follow Bailey. You don't follow Goldberg. What do you, what do you got a Twitter for? Uh, yeah, I know, right? Apparently, I'm just not a fan. But He just um, likes to tweet and read his own tweets, and then he tweets a little bit more and tweets all over the place. He gets tweets in his hair, tweets in his beard, tweets over there, tweets over well, there. Doing a little poetry. Jesus. (laughs) All right. So here's my homework to you guys is I would say go find his social media and see if he's like doing other projects. Because if he's doing other projects, guess what? There's your answer. They're grabbing the other fans. Yeah. And I agree with that. And and trust me, guys, I used to be on the other side of this where I couldn't accept this. I, I hated this, this idea of pulling these older talents this way, but when I, I'm trying to look at things from business because here's the thing, guys. WWE's got to please networks. Net the networks is where the money is. That it's not the pay per view business anymore. So, if and I, I sent you guys a text message. Um, 
what was it? Raw or was it SmackDown that it was right after football? Um, oh, it was SmackDown, I believe. SmackDown. Yeah, yeah on they, Christmas. there was a football game and, and then followed by SmackDown, and they advertised it big time on there. And then SmackDown had one of the highest ratings in a long time, you know? So there's something about when you can find creative ways to, to grab that, that, that casual person. And those people that they must have grabbed must have been football fans, you know that state that stuck that, you know, stood around, you know, hung out long enough to check it out and apparently stuck around for the show. So th- these are the strategies because we know that the ratings are at all time lows. So y- you got to do something. And yeah, I, I know yeah. I ranted on and I I'm sorry, but no, this, it's that's fine. where I stand with Goldberg. Hey, Goldberg. Like I said, he's going to draw who he's going to draw. It's the Royal Rumble. It's fine. I mean, yeah. I can't say that it won't be an interesting match. Um, once again, Goldberg has never been a thing for me. So, I mean, he just he hasn't always excited me. Um, the only time I think I've ever popped for Goldberg was when, when he came back to challenge Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series a few years ago. And I remember I was sitting at Corey's house and we're watching that. And I'm like, I don't know what this match is going to be because Goldberg, unless he's just going to spear and jackhammer him and win the match, which I don't see him doing that to Brock Lesnar, then I, I mean, what else is he worth? And that's exactly what he did. And I remember popping for that moment because I was like, oh, they actually did that. But outside of that, I mean, their, their WrestleMania match that following after that was fine. It was probably the best Goldberg match I think I've ever seen. Um, I'm him and Drew McIntyre. I have no idea what to expect out of this, and I don't want to see Goldberg winning the WWE Championship. So I, I don't know what they do, but I'm I guess I'm curious to see. But it doesn't excite me. If it wouldn't well, bring me back, it excites me because if Goldberg at least wins it, then I'm reassured that I can watch WrestleMania this year. Yeah, unless Ed, they're going to unify Ed, the titles. And you don't know this, but um, I officially I declared a couple episodes ago that. Um, Chris Chris revealed that there was a rumor that it's going to be Goldberg Roman Reigns for this year's WrestleMania. And I declared that if that ends up being the championship match, I am not watching WrestleMania this year at all. So I declared it. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> and <laughs> Man, right yeah, now, you might, you might uh, be on track to having that being a self-fulfilling prophecy. No, it's know. not going to happen, guys. It okay. could. What no, if Goldberg no. wins and they decide to unify the titles? And WrestleMania no. is two nights just like Wrestle Kingdom. So then they'll be like, we're going to unify the no. belts on night one, and then night two is going to be the winner of the Rumble versus the new unified champion. No, no. See, you're going to get me off topic because I I'm going to tell you like right that. now, I already, I already have my Rumble prediction figured out. And the What's your Rumble prediction already? Oh, it, it's already set. It's uh, Daniel Bryan's winning, and Daniel Bryan is going to face Roman Reigns because this is officially coming full circle to the whole story of Roman Reigns and that whole bipolar aspect of Roman Reigns fans hating him and liking him. Because guess what? Where did it start? The rumble where Daniel Bryan was not in it and the fans crapped on it. And that was the beginning of this this spiral. I like it. I I would be very happy if they did do that because Daniel Bryan, I know he's probably towards the end of things and, uh, That'd be a nice way if they can give him one last run before he calls it a career. So yeah. sorry, Chris. But, he, I, but even if he top. goes, even if he goes into Mania and loses to Roman, it would still be a hell of a oh, Mania. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah. So I'm I'm fine with that. And the only other person that I'm cool with is Sheamus. Go Sheamus on the Raw side and let him challenge Drew at Mania. I'm cool with that too. All right. All right, guys, I'm going to get us back on track. That is my fault. We're not talking about Rumble stuff yet. So, uh, okay. AEW or NXT? AEW NXT. You guys watched opposite shows. So, which okay, one? I'm, 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 oh. I could Let, go. You want to sit? You want to sit for a minute, and we'll we'll switch gears to AEW. Uh, hey, let's, I, let's I would love it. to talk some AEW. All right, talk AEW. All right, go ahead, Chris. AEW's Dynamite had the New Year's Smash Night 1, so they're going to have New Year's Smash Night 2 next week. So we did have kind of a hell of a show. They had some big matches. Uh, Young Bucks and the SCU defeated the Acclaimed and the Hybrid 2 in a giant eight-man tag match to open the show. Wardlow defeated Jake Hager and just a two big hunks of beef just slapping each other in the ring. <laughs> Cody, with Snoop Dogg's help doing the God bless him. Weirdest looking frog splash I ever seen. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm gi- I guess I'm giving all the, the the victories away to to Corey here. That's he okay. took on Matt Sedell. Sheeta took on Abaddon. Kenny Omega took on Ray Phoenix. And man, that match was fire. That match was something yeah. else. It was that made my list as well. Of all right, it of 2021. Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega was. That was a match. They did some stuff that hurt me watching it. I yelled profanity a couple times when I thought people died. They did some spots in there that were just awesome. Ed, how'd you feel about Dynamite being back from the uh, man, peak season? I, man, this was great. So I, you know, I watched uh, this week. I watched Raw. Um, you know, and obviously I work. So I work Sunday through Wednesday. So you know, Monday Night Raw. It's you know, it, unfortunately I have to go to bed kind of early because I get up super early to get to work. So. I was only able to watch a little bit of Raw, but, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed what I saw. But, you know, today I got to sit down, first day off, and put on Dynamite, and, man, I was happy with this show. Um, I I just realized, like, you know, number one, AEW's got a stacked roster now. And it's not just stacked with good talent, but it's got, they've got some really good legends. And, you know, I think they're doing a good job, especially with Sting right now. I'm so intrigued with him and Darby Allin's thing going they got going because the the characters obviously mirror each other it's kind of like a a generational thing they've got like mutual respect kind of looking out for each other and like that's what i like to see with legends like if they could keep doing stuff like this and it's like sting would never necessarily have to get in the ring you know i doubt i'm sure he will get pulled into some type of a tag team match or something like that which is fine um but you know it's just like little things like that or um, I thought the tag team match to start the night was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And then you've got the obviously the storyline with Impact, Don Callis, Kenny Omega, and also by the way, Kenny Omega's Kenny Omega's entrance is hilarious now because it's just like an announcer narrating his current year, and I just think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, and now we you know we got the Good Brothers. That was kind of a big surprise at the end of it as well too. So. Um, that was really cool to see, but I mean, as a show, as a total show, this was my favorite show of the week. This is what got me back into wrestling. got me excited to talk about wrestling again was this episode of dynamite. And I can't wait for next week. I even was able to watch the Abaddon match without getting scared. Yo, Corey knows that's a big deal. There you go. That's a bit. I'm proud of you, sir. (laughs) Proud of you. 
And I, and I am sorry, you might have already seen it, Corey, but I guess we do have to, because it kind of comes back around here. They did have, like I said, the Good Brothers angle at the end of the show, but the big bigger news coming out was the Young Bucks joining the Super yeah. Elite team with Kenny Omega, and they're now, it's the Good Brothers, Young Guns, or Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega in like the Super Bullet Club faction thing. So, yeah. I mean, how do you feel this AEW Impact thing is is going so well, far here, we got some reviews coming up like wh- where are we at with this so here's the thing and, and maybe you made the connection maybe you didn't uh, i remember during the very first interview kenny omega did on impact in his uh trailer and he referenced how he wanted to get more gold yeah i think this is what we probably thought he was going to get more titles for himself yeah which he does have the the triple a i believe but mm-hmm. here you go i mean that picture and and don't worry chris you didn't spoil for me you know internet world does enough spoiling for me um but that image of all of them with those titles it's like if you want to talk about credibility for a faction <laughs> there you go i mean that's credibility cross board because you got multiple titles titles from different companies um and you have a you have a backstory which once again i cannot get old i can't say it enough how much this whole thing has got so much good backstory and true backstory because the fact mm-hmm. is the young bucks were part of this this bullet club you know if people can go back and remember so uh man it just it Really, it's making you wonder, and this is and this is just a, a, a thought, maybe a prediction. Um, Cody's going to get into this story, and I think Cody is going, and they're going to think Cody's going to join. But I think Cody's going to be the one that's going to uh, take this down. Yeah, I do too. I actually think that this is going to eventually lead to a Cody Rhodes-Kenny Omega rivalry, which will be sick. I'll be so excited. Um, I'd be, I'd be for that. Um, yeah, I, I can kind of see that happening. I could also see some interesting things happening as they kind of get more into this TNT championship, um, with Darby Allen. I think I like that. He's got that belt. I like his development from like, he was kind of like, who is this guy? Like he's kind of a smaller skater punk guy, but man, like I'm like, I'm all in on his gimmick now. I, I just really I think he's like one of those homegrown AEW talents and kind of like along the lines of Orange Cassidy, obviously. And it's just good to see that he's like kind of just riding that wave. And, you know, he's a solid mid-card champion now. It's only a matter of time before he gets into the title picture, too. So, you know, but the roster is just, like I said, it's stacked. Um, Also, Wardlow and um, Hager, man, they had a really good big man match. And... I just think Wardlow has that it factor based on his ability on the mic, his ability um, in the ring. Like he does remind me like of kind of like a Roman Reigns, like someone you could really build your whole promotion around. So, you know, and I'm sure MJF is kind of doing his thing too um, within the inner circle. We know that where that's going to eventually go and that'll be a huge blow off probably hopefully Mm -hmm. with him and Jericho, but you know, we'll see. But there's like they really are telling, I think, very good independent stories that just kind of make me want to keep watching. So and 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 to top it off, you're once again, you're you're creating the good stories. 
Um, you're trying to grab, and like I said, I, I you know this impact thing. This is, you know, it's a win-win for both companies because it's all about how can we get some more fans. You know, you AEW might be able to get some impact fans, uh, vice versa. Impact can get some AEW fans. But then, as and by the way, full disclosure, I actually am watching AEW Dynamite right now as we speak, and I'm up to the Cody match right now. Um, and then the other part that they did that I think is brilliant, you got an outside person at, on the show, which is Snoop Dogg. And and I know it's because uh, Cody and Snoop Dogg are on a show that I think is about to come out on yeah. TBS or something like that. But, but once again, just like the Shaquille O'Neal thing, it's like if you're going to have a show that is going to have somebody that's an outsider – to the wrestling product, but they can potentially bring in their fan base into your show, or at least see your show, put on a good show. So right now, there's potentially, and Chris, I know you'll eventually get the numbers, but there might be an increase in viewership because, you know, you're getting those Snoop Dogg fans to come check it out. I know Impact said they reported uh, higher ratings for sure. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, impact. So, yeah, impact looked like they went up. Yeah, so it's it's just I mean, it's it's not hard to develop a strategy for getting increased viewership even during this time right now. It's you know, like you said, it's just you, you first off you got to have the talent. Ed clarified that very well that you know it's it's stacked, um, and then Ed, you definitely referenced this whole each like. There, there's different stories happening. There's, there's, you know, everybody's got something. Um, and AEW does a really good job at just, like, building it. They build a lot of these stories. They don't just, one week it's a story, next week it's done. You know, they, they're constantly building. And uh, like you said, the great thing is with this Kenny Omega group, they're going to build for a while. They're not going down yet. This is going to be a huge build. And then eventually, like in my prediction, the, the Cody Omega, which I agree, uh, Ed is going to freaking blow the roof off. That probably the way that AEW does stories. Don't be surprised if we don't see that till 2022. I know. Just because you can build this to to whatever levels you could potentially reach. I love it. It's going to be an exciting 2021. Hopefully, luckily they get some. They have some fans in the building already to at least hype these moments up. But yeah, it would be awesome if they were doing this stuff with uh, that big angle they pulled at the end of Dynamite for this. Would it just if they had a packed house, 10, 20, 10, 12,000 people in there, that would have been good stuff. But I know Ed mentioned Sting, wanting to know what Sting's doing in AEW. What's his overall goal? Well, you know what? I don't care about Sting anymore. Because I want to know what Zia Lee is doing over on NXT. Because a few weeks ago, they did this weird angle where Zia Lee lost a match. And Boa comes out in a suit. And it's a Chinese guy. And he hands Zia Lee a note. And she opens it up. And it's got the caricatures on it. And she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. And she leaves. And then, like, the next week or a couple weeks later, Boa's in a match. And he loses. And this old Chinese man, like, the lights go out. And around the whole ring, they do this, like, dragon comes. And the lights are all out. And that Chinese man comes out. And he gives him a note and then draws something, like, in paint on his hand. And Boa's like, what's going on? And then they just, like, disappeared from TV. And William Regal's, like, knocking on Boa's door. 
you didn't come to work, Boa. Where's Zaya? What are you guys doing? And he's like, she's coming. She's coming. She's coming. You can't. She's coming. I, I can't. I can't. And he leaves. So you're like, what is going on with these people? And then for the past, like, three weeks or so, they've been building these, like, montages of Boa and Zaya Lee just getting their asses kicked. And some woman is, like, all masked up, looks like she's in a horror movie, that, that old Chinese man's there, going, go, do, go, go. And they're just beating the sh- Like, Boa and Zaya Lee are hitting each other with kendo sticks, kicking it. I mean, at one point, Zaya Lee is just, like, doing these hard-ass chop kicks to Boa's chest. They're all bloody. I mean, they're making, like, short films out of this, so it's been awesome. And then last night, on New Year's Evil, Zaya Lee came out. And she had a match, and they brought that woman. She was, like, in this weird throne. She was wearing this, like, mask, and she was all made up with these really long nails and looked all creepy. And she's just sitting there. You don't know who she is. And Zaya Lee comes out. She put on probably 10 pounds of muscle. She looked insane. And I want to know what's going on with that storyline, because that one's been a fun one to watch unravel over the past couple weeks. And it looks like we're finally going to start getting some of those those uh, answers, which is kind of cool. I don't just know because if you guys followed that you story. Just described, I'm going to go back and watch three weeks of NXT to see this because she, I, she is really, really hot. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I find her really, really good looking. But um, ultimately, I love good story development, and that sounds awesome. So I'm. You can have probably to... find it. You could probably find a good like promo video yeah. on WWE.com. Yeah. And yeah, because and it works for me because Zia Lee added that weight, like the little muscle, but it's all mm-hmm. like an arms and shoulders, which I'm an arms guy. So mm-hmm. it definitely it might be contributing to some of my enjoyment right. of of her return. Well, it is, you know, it sounds like you're kind of building two talents at the same time, which is cool. And yeah, you got Boa, you got Zia Lee, and you yeah. got whoever this woman is who's like. They're doing this for so it's very mysterious. It's a cool angle. I'm mean, I'm enjoying that. But NXT did their what was it called? New Year's Evil, hosted by Dexter Loomis. So a mute hosted the show. So that was interesting. Um, he kept flashing artwork up and just ringing bells and just standing around. But they opened the show with Karrion Cross taking on Damian Priest, which was a solid match. Yeah, uh, I exactly. think they should have opened with the Cruiserweight Championship. I think that would have been a little bit more in your face, but uh, carrying cross Damian Priest to me just had a solid match. It was another one, two big guys doing some big moves. At one point, Damian, Damian Priest took a nasty powerbomb like on the back of his head, and that didn't look pleasant, but um, I was like, oh, that had to suck. I was watching too many spots of people landing on their head this week. You had the Zia Lee, Santos Escobar took on uh, Grand Metalik for the Cruiserweight Championship. I'm sorry, but I think the match of the week that I saw, and like I said, I have to really think about this now because of the Kenny Omega and uh, Phoenix match, but Raquel Gonzalez taking on Rhea Ripley in a last woman standing match was insane. They did things in that match. They, I mean, I don't even like brawling matches where they go around the arena, but the way that they did it and the, the pacing that they had and those two women just made everything look real because I'm pretty sure most of it was. And to me, they had the match of the week. I'm thinking like that match was just huh? something else. I know Corey had some and, comments. Yeah, no, you know what? I'm going to go with some strong statements here. Bottom line is the women of NXT are the best women in wrestling, period. Doesn't matter what company. And I'm going to put that Rhea Ripley match. I'm going to say it. I don't care for what, uh, six, seven days in. I'm calling that match of the year candidate. Wow. And I'm not even saying just women match of the year. You know what? Let's put it with the men. I think it's going to go in there as as a candidate. I'm not going to say it's necessarily going to win when the year's over, but it just, Chris said it. It's just, I mean, you would think that the, you know, that kind of match, eh, you know, but they they made it look so real. 
they 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 brought it and everything looked like it hurt. Yes, and my wife was sitting with me when I was watching this, and I'm of course you know when I'm watching, I'm really into it. I'm telling my wife, I'm like, these women are the best women in wrestling. And then as she's watching, she's like, you know what? They are really good. She's like, they they're believable. That's what she said. She's like, they're believable. Like they could kick butt and actually cause harm to people. And because she was comparing them to like the model type of you know like the diva era and but i mean good god i mean you know the only thing that just once again it's just this is another example of good god if it could have only been with an actual live crowd i mean just would have been through the roof yeah if they would have had a stadium for that and been able to really yeah sell that and do they'd probably do that at a takeover i mean that would have killed absolutely that would have killed but that was an awesome match and definitely if you're going to go check out any match that's the one i would throw my stamp on for that me too uh koshida and shotzi blackheart took on johnny gargano and candice LeRae. they kind of had to they did the zaya lee and the koshida way match they kind of had to shoehorn those in there because timothy thatcher was supposed to face tomaso champa in a cage fighters pit match but uh Timothy Thatcher got injured, so he wasn't able to do that match. So they kind of had to do a couple filler matches. It was fine, but I really didn't put much effort into it. And then Finn Balor took on Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Championship match. And if you enjoyed their first match at TakeOver 31, I think, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy this one. My my only thing that made me laugh was they did that same spot that I just saw on Dynamite like last week or two weeks ago with Cody when he was stuck in a submission move and he needed to break it. So he he bit the bottom rope to uh, break the submission. And Kyle O'Reilly did the exact same spot in this one. And then Wade Barrett's like, I never seen that before. I was like, I just saw it like a week ago on Dynamite. (laughs) The only difference they did, which looked like it sucked was when Kyle O'Reilly did it, Finn Balor got off and he kicked that bottom rope. And that looked like it sucked because I couldn't imagine that rope looked like it just bounced all around Kyle O'Reilly's mouth and it looked like it hurt. So I, that was that was rough. I, I, Cody didn't have that. So they did one-up the spot, but it was just funny because I just saw it. But I see that all the time. I'll be watching NXT, and there's probably about two spots from this NXT show that'll be on th- SmackDown and Raw here on Monday. It's Friday and Monday just because that's what people do. I kept waiting for Wrestle Kingdom spots because I was like, well, these guys just did some crazy stuff. So I'm sure those spots are coming. Uh, but that was NXT New Year's Evil. I, like I said, this is a great week of wrestling all around. I, I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I didn't talk about for Raw was if you didn't watch it, I really enjoyed the Matt Riddle Bobby Lashley match as well. I thought they did a hell of a match. They they made they that was a stiff match, and those were kind of my favorite matches this week. You know, like I said, the the Phoenix Omega, the Ripley Gonzalez, lots of hard hitting, brutal matches that took place this week. Now to finish this up, to take us home. There was a rumor that a big NXT star was supposed to get a debut last Friday on SmackDown, but it got nixed at the last second, so we didn't happen. Now there's rumors of who it may or may not be. So now they're assuming that right now they're talking about Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley are both on their way to the main roster. How do you feel about either one of those? What show would you like to see them on? What? How do you feel about where do you think they'd fit best on the roster, or do you wish they wouldn't go? <sighs> God, I really wish they wouldn't go. Um, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, both of those gimmicks are not... I don't know. I just think like Vince doesn't get these type of gimmicks. And I think you'll see, if they 
wherever they go, I think you'll see uh, Damien Priest quickly change to the name Damien, and he'll be some kind of, like, um, son of Lucifer gimmick. And it's just like, I, I just, I don't know. I would prefer them to stay on NXT. I guess if I were to put them anywhere, probably be SmackDown. Um, and maybe that's where they're headed, but I yeah, don't stand want a better them anywhere on... near the main roster. Yeah. <laughs> SmackDown, yeah. you seem to have a better chance, but I can't imagine Damian Priest faring any better than Aleister Black did. If right. they couldn't yeah. figure out Aleister Black, they're not going to figure out Damian. No. Yeah. He hasn't been on TV either, has he, since the whole thing with... He hasn't been on TV since the draft. Wow. So they did the WWE draft in October. He got drafted to SmackDown. He never appeared on SmackDown, and he just hasn't shown up. And then, then the whole stuff with his wife happened, yeah. and and he just haven't seen him and heard from him. They just well, the report was that creative didn't have anything I, for him. I, I'm I'm gonna try to go go on the positive end here. I'm gonna say for Rhea Ripley specifically, uh, SmackDown, just because SmackDown's on Fox, this will be good exposure mm-hmm. um, on a on a big scale. Because uh, I'm gonna say it, and I believe Triple H even went on record and said it. Rhea Ripley is going to be a megastar, like Charlotte level yeah. megastar, and I, I can, yeah, I believe that. I, I I'm do. very much bought into it because of just because she's not Charlotte. You know, that's right. the cool thing about it. It's like you know, and she's gonna be her own unique person and character, and. And then her and Charlotte, you know they're going to do it again, especially in front of a crowd, and it's going to, once again, just blow the roof off. Yeah, I, and I thought the whole stuff building up Rhea for Mania this year, I mean, like I said, it's a shame, obviously, everything that happened, so they weren't able to do that match because of the pandemic and all that stuff. I mean, they did the match, and it was, I'm to me, out of the two nights, that was my match of the two nights. Like, I thought that they just put on the best match they Knocked it out of the park, so yeah, to watch them do it again, I'm down with that. But yeah, I I kind of almost want Rhea to go to Raw. I think she'd get a bigger spotlight in Raw. I'd love to see her take on Asuka. I'd love to see her take on Charlotte again. I'd love to see her take on Shayna Baszler again. You know, they got some big names, even Nia Jax, and see you know, watch her try to muscle around Nia Jax. And we got the returning Becky Lynch. I just think there's a... I, the SmackDown roster outside of Bianca Belair, I just everybody just seems like they would just get pummeled. I mean, Carmella versus Rhea Ripley, like... Yeah, what do you do with that? Carmella but Priest like, needs to go to SmackDown. Yeah, and I think Carmella—they're trying some different things with her, but she just reminds me of like the divas all over again. I'm sorry, it's like she's a beautiful woman, and they're just trying to make us convinced that she's this like answer to you know the SmackDown roster, and it's like, eh, I, uh, I, I okay, I, I do have to defend her a little bit. I feel like her promos are better. Her promos I, are I much actually, better, no doubt, I, I, no doubt. And it's because of her promos that I'm actually fine with this at the moment. I don't have any problem with her. And I, like, you can go back to, like, Eva Marie, who I guess is going to be coming back soon. I never had a problem with her character. It's just they don't have the best ability in the ring. And that's my thing is you got to be able to do both. So. Yeah, absolutely. Carmella. And then even that match with Sasha that they had at... TLC. That was a solid match. I was I was entertained by it. It was fine. So I think that's going to take us. There's a lot of wrestling, a lot of talking. I think that's going to wrap us up unless you guys have anything else that you just need to get off your chest. Just one thing. I am happy to be back on 123 Yes Wrestling with Corey and Chris. And my God, people, the world is crazy right now. But the thing is, we've got wrestling. we got each other. 
and everybody out there, believe in you, believe in America. We're going to be all right. And definitely that is going to take us home with those words, encouraging words. Happy New Year, you guys. Happy New Year's, everyone out there listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and take care of each other. It's always a pleasure, guys. When we get together.